Get in the zone. This is the Yellow Ball Podcast, proudly supported by Cricket Australia. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, wherever you're listening to this podcast right around the world, a very warm welcome to the Yellow Ball Podcast, proudly supported by Cricket Australia. I'm your host, Gary Lowe. This week, I was in New South Wales in downtown Dubbo. Someone came up to me and asked, what's the name of the podcast? And I said, the Yellow Ball Podcast, get involved. Well, a massive show, a huge show, in fact, coming up. Of course, we'll have a look at the games that we've just witnessed from the ACT, the Jaguars and the Conquerors and the Assassins and the Wolves. As usual, we have a special guest in the studio. This episode's 16 Overs segment is 16 Overs with Donna Dolby. So good friends of the show, Indoor Sports Western Australia, got on board this week and their president, Christian White, conducted that chat with Donna. It's a really great segment and is definitely a must listen to for any student of indoor cricket. And as always on the pots and pans, pressing the buttons is podcast producer, Justin. Uh, Juzzy, we received some warm messages on the email and on the socials, mate. Yeah, look, a um, couple of nice messages on Facey. Um, some bloke left a, a glowing review on uh, on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. Mm-hmm. So that was always nice to nice to see that uh, feedback coming through. And where can people send their email through to? What's that email again? Yellowballpodcast at gmail.com. Ah, beautiful stuff. Uh, and you're absolutely right. We do have some wonderful friends of the show. Uh, if someone out there does want to show a bit of love, uh, w- what's the best thing they can do, mate? Well, I reckon they message you directly with, <laughs> with offers of, you know, love, support, understanding. Yeah. Okay, cool. I reckon, you know, just... Yeah, just get in touch. Slide into those direct messages, yeah, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah I look yeah. forward to it. Um, look, certainly, I think uh, you can share the, the Facebook um, post that Cricket Australia does. I'm sure that'll probably help. And um, you can go to iTunes and yeah, give us five stars. Five good. stars. Yeah, let's, five stars. Let's, let's go, go for the five stars. <laughs> aim, aim high. Five stars sounds good. We interrupt this podcast for a shout out to our indoor cricket sponsors: Sportscast, the official broadcast partner, and Burley Seacom, the official ball supplier of the National Indoor Cricket League. And just on that, in the first episode, we did a shout out to any company that would like to support the podcast, and literally. Within about 40 minutes of the podcast launching, the team at Play Straight Cricket emailed through and they said they wanted to be involved. So they were the very first company to be friends of the show. And let's face it, you never forget your first friend. You never forget your first friend. Um, So this week, thanks to Play Straight Cricket, we are giving away a $100 Play Straight Cricket voucher. That's right, a $100 voucher. And here's all you need to do to win. Go to the Apple Podcast app on your iPhone, rate the podcast five stars as podcast producer Juzzy's already alluded to, leave a comment, and one comment at random will be drawn out as the winner. You could be the only person to go there and do it, and you're the automatic winner, so that's not too bad. Uh, The winner will be posted on the Play Straight Cricket Facebook page, and it'll be read out on next week's podcast. So if you're not an Apple user, relax. Uh, We've got plenty more competitions coming, but you can certainly check out Play Straight Cricket on the socials. Uh, Before we crack into the podcast proper, I just want to talk about the guests that are appearing on the show. So there's been a lot of feedback, uh, a great deal of feedback, in fact, this week about potential guests that are coming on, which state they represent and what segment of the indoor cricket community they do represent. So sports fans, please understand, uh, please understand that this podcast is absolutely focused and committed to remembering that the N in NICL stands for national. 
So this podcast should and will be a direct reflection of the wider indoor cricket community. So what I mean by that is not every person that loves, participates, or is involved with indoor cricket are necessarily a current day active player. There are coaches, managers, sports trainers, center owners, administrators, past players, and icons of the sport who's really built the foundation on which indoor cricket does currently stand. So the podcast is 100% committed to ensuring that representation from all corners of the indoor cricket community are present. To the same point, guests will also come from all three divisions, juniors, masters, and opens. So I didn't want to go through the list of the guests we're having this season just in case uh, someone's unavailable for whatever reason, but um, hey, let's change the rules a bit. You ask for it, and that's what we're going to give to you. So this year we're having Donna Dolby, David Shepley, Ross Gregory, Claire Kosky, Clive Rose, the Mayor of Casey, Amanda Stapleton, Blaine Schloss, Ryan Douse, Brianna Binch, Brenton Bryan, two junior athletes will be coming in. One of them is around 11 years old, Stevie Hogan. Could be wrong. We'll find out his right age when he arrives. And the second one is Emily Valance. So that's a, a real big uh, junior week that we'll be having just prior to the national tournaments taking place. So everyone will be getting involved and a very big shout out to the states and territories because without them, there is no podcast and uh, Cricket ACT this evening were absolutely flawless, outstanding, perfection. Um, you know, they've committed to getting all the captain's interviews and, and later on in the year, uh, there's going to be a couple more Canberrans involved in the podcast. It's a perfect example. We need those states and territories. Uh, Queensland were exemplary last week. Uh, we're sure Western Australia next week and then New South Wales the following week after that and so on and so forth. The law be heavily involved uh, and very supportive. So to all the states and territories, thank you so much. And, you know, the Donna Dolby interview that you'll hear this evening um, that Christian White conducted um outstanding so again to to western australia uh, and to christian thank you so much it um it really does make the podcast what it is okay i reckon it's time to get into the episode proper so let's dive in to the yellow ball podcast the yellow ball podcast proudly supported by cricket australia so i'm joined here in studio by queensland and australian opens player ryan douse dousey here you go mate you're not bad. Thanks for having me, Gary. Mate, not a problem. Now, you've played in eight nationals, having won three times and been captain five times. You've been player of the series twice, player of the final once. You've been on Australian tours. Uh, you've won two World Cups, a Trans-Tasman, an Australasian Cup. So we'll get started with the games that we've watched tonight, starting with uh, the Conquerors 111, defeating the Jaguars 41. Of course, these games coming from Canberra. The Conquerors picking up three skins in the process. Uh, this game was umpired by Andrew Hall Villers, uh, and that's actually one piece of feedback, Dowsey, that we received on episode one of the podcast, which I'm sure you listened to. Did you not? Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, good man. That's that's a correct answer. He's nodding at me. Oh, here's, your, here's your bag of cash, mate. Thanks for saying yes. Really appreciate it. Um, that we didn't acknowledge uh, the umpires in the first week, and I'm a, a pretty uh, staunch advocate for umpires. I'm a member of the umpires union, so uh, a big thanks to uh, Andrew Hall Villas for officiating that game. And two weeks ago at the Springwood and Strathpine game, the uh, officials were Wayne Thomas for the women's division and Michael Guest for the men's. So well done to both those umpires. Uh, We'll now cross to Western Indoor Sports in Canberra where we've got Chris Griffin standing by with uh, both of the two captains. Hi there, it's Chris Griffin here at the ACT Western Indoor Sports uh, speaking with Jaguars captain after that match against the Conquerors, Jake Flores. Jake, welcome to the Yellow Ball podcast, second episode this year. Um, What are your thoughts on that game, mate? 
Um, probably wasn't our best batting performance. Uh, we just didn't show any intent and they executed in the field. Um, I thought they actually fielded really well and took their chances. You know, we've just got to be better with the bat, especially especially early, and then we just didn't really finish well, so didn't get much momentum. But um, in the end, we learned from those games and uh, we still had a good start to the season, so we've just got to pick ourselves up for next game. Yeah, that was mentioned in the, the live stream, so we've been undefeated up until now. So uh, how do you improve from here? Uh, we've, we're missing a few players as well today, um, so it'll be good to get those guys back. Uh, but we've just got to start taking our chances a bit more and showing a bit more intent with the bat. Um, but, you know, look, it's just one of those games where we just didn't put it together, but I'm confident we can bring it back next week. So, And we had a few young players in your side today. How do you think they went and uh, what, what do we expect out of them in the future? Yeah, the first games in the NICL competition. Um, I think they're capable of playing at that level. Uh, you know, they're new guys um, to that sort of level and I thought they handled themselves well. Um, Daniel Osher is only his second year of indoor cricket, so you know, he's got a bright future ahead of him and Owen Levings has been playing for a while in our junior competitions, um, but he's definitely an up-and-coming star and you know, once he plays a bit more of this sort of level cricket, I'm confident he'll be a force to be reckoned with. Awesome. Thank you very much for your time, Jack. Thank you. All right, I'm also here joined by Brock Winkler, Conqueror's captain and uh, my commentator in the, the next match. Brock, dominant victory there. and Let me know your thoughts, mate. Um, yeah, really pleased with the victory. Uh, we set out to do a couple of things and we did them really well. Um, thought we carried momentum really well. Um, we managed to wrangle it back when they had a really good skin and then carried that through into the batting innings and it, and it showed in the victory. Now, uh, the Conqueror is a new franchise here in the third season of the ACT NICL. Uh, were any challenges or anything to do with that and how's it been being a part of a, a new club? Um, no real challenges. It's set up really well by uh, what's needed electrical and by Southern Cross Cricket. Um, and they've, uh, we've, we've been able to recruit relatively well. Um, we might not have the strongest squad on paper, but I think we've shown uh, yesterday and today with our three victories that we're capable of matching with any, with any team in this competition. So, um, yeah, we're just really, really excited to, to move forward with it as the Conquerors franchise and, and see what happens. Yeah, so uh, as you mentioned, top of the table, undefeated after the, the third match. Uh, any way to improve moving from here? Always, always run to improve, mate. Uh, last night we... Probably didn't put a full performance together with the bat and the ball. I don't think we did again tonight. Uh, as I said, we, we definitely let one pair get away with some poor bowling. Um, and then I guess, realistically, the, we, we got away with a few things with the bat. While the, I don't think the score accurately ref- reflected our batting performance. Um, we did bat well, but I think there were a, a lot of things to improve on going forward. Yeah, and the final score here in the men's division, uh, Conqueror is 111 to the Jaguars 41. Thank you for your time, Brock, and back to Gary Lowe. Thanks very much, Chris Griffin, and uh, an outstanding job, can I just say, by Claire Kosky and Chris Griffin, uh, massive supporters of the podcast uh, ACT Cricket, and uh, I thought both of them had a wonderful call this evening. A uh, little bit of a, an inside tip for, for those listening on the podcast, um, Darcy and I actually got a little bit up, up close and personal. We came into the radio studio uh, earlier to watch the games in the tea room, in, in the dinner room here. What's it called? The um, What do you do when you call your lunch? Your, your break room. Smoker room. Smoker room. Smoker room. So we're sitting around here this morning. We watched the games together. And uh, I can tell you that Mr. Ryan Douse was busily writing down notes the whole time. So we actually um, had, a, had a really good breakdown of the game. And I'll let Dowsey, um maybe go through his thoughts on it because uh, I can tell you he's written about 46 A4 pages. So, Dowsey, where did you think that game was won and lost? Yeah, thanks, Gary. I think the Conquerors bowling first. I think they got off to a really, really good start, being able to keep you know no runs off the first over. That first skin, they were able to get four wickets. So from that point of view, for them, that was able to really lead them into some momentum 
for the whole bowling innings. Yeah. Um, keep a first pair for negative three. You know, you can't really ask much more than that. And can I ask a question? You've got someone down to negative three for the first batting partnership. That really gets your tails up for the rest of the innings, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. The next 12 overs, you know, the momentum's completely with you. The batting team's on the back foot straight away. So, yeah, so I think in the first four overs, I think the Conquerors really set the tone in the field. Obviously, Brock Winkler taking a couple of really good runouts. Um, pretty much anything that came to that front court in that first four overs, um, they were pretty well straight onto it, um, setting the tone really nicely. A lot of front court presence. Yeah, and I also think that uh, Alex Kwong uh, joined in and started getting in to the party pretty wildly when it came to the fielding. Um, certainly Brock Winkler in that first four was quite a standout. Uh, I also want to ask you about what happened in the first batting partnership of the second innings there. So Claire Kosky, uh, one of the commentators, I won't say that she was uh, critical, but she did... Uh, well, it raised her eyebrows at least, that they didn't really come out with their heavy artillery and barrage for their bowling in that first batting partnership. Now, there's two schools of thoughts here. They were only defending, what was it, 41 or whatever it was for the entire game. So do you try and get them down immediately with some big heavy stuff or keeping in mind they were defending a skin in negative three, but the next skin was 30, which they won because they restricted uh, the batting partnership to 29. How do you get the balance right between deciding, look, we need to almost forego the game to win the skin or we just need to go for this game at all costs? It, that must be a difficult challenge, I'd assume. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, I think Gary, it really depends on how well you know your opposition as well. I mean, me personally thinking I see 41, you know, trying to come out and defend that. I mean, my, my whole as whenever I've captained a team or whenever I've been a part of a team, the whole thing is to first of all win the game. Yeah, okay. I mean, skins are one thing, and I can obviously understand why they've probably done what they've done um, and saved a little bit of firepower back. But it, it, you can see looking back on, on that first skin, um, obviously having Sam Dwyer bowl that re-bowl over, someone that comes on with the bowls with a lot more pace, ball yeah. swinging around a lot more, obviously something that's going to be a lot harder for them to hit. Could they have thrown more at it? Possibly. Yeah. Um, but then, then that whole – then the risk becomes if they're throwing too much firepower out, obviously that, that skin of 30 is going to be something that they're going to want to defend. Um, it depends. I mean, like you can come out and I've seen teams there, you know, defending 41. You know, you take a couple of wins, your first one or two ovens go, okay, righto. Can really throw the kitchen sink here. But then, again, the same problem becomes if you burn a lot too early, you're going to – really risk uh, foregoing that second skin. You know, that's one of the reasons why being a captain is such a difficult job is you need to make those command decisions on the fly. You've got very limited time uh, and you need to weigh up all your options. So either way they went, it, it was it was very tricky for them. Um, whether they went for the skin or whether they forego it to try and go the win, um, when you've got 41 and negative three for the first skin, it's always going to be a pretty big ask. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, let's move on to the next game, which was the Wolves taking on the Assassins. Proudly supported by Cricket Australia, this is the Yellow Ball Podcast. And we might also just touch on Ryan Douse that uh, the batting performance from the Conquerors was pretty consistent. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as we mentioned, you know, only chasing 41, it's pretty easy to probably get a little bit complacent out there. Um, and I thought Francis Mates and, and uh, Phil Marchant really went about, you know, that first skin quite well. Obviously, neg three, they could have really done whatever they wanted to do. Yeah. Um, and I thought they looked in control the whole time. They didn't really give them too many chances. They looked really calm and composed. I mean, 
going on from that, I mean, as a team with the Conquerors, you know, they lost their first wicket in the seventh over, so I think yep. they I think they went about that in a really mature way. Yeah, I mean, their skin average was 27.75. Uh, their lower skin was 25. Their high skin was 29. So that kind of shows you what kind of tight grouping those uh, four skins were. Absolutely. Yeah, it was extremely consistent across the board. So we'll move on now to the Wolves and the Assassins. So we have the Wolves 103 defeating the Assassins 77 with the Wolves picking up three skins. We have Chris Griffin standing by with the Assassins captain, Luke Ryan. So we'll head out to Western Indoor Sports right now. Chris. And all the games are complete here at the Western Indoor Sports Centre in the ACT, the NICL match between the Assassins and Wolves. I've got the captain of the Assassins here, Luke Ryan. Thanks for joining me, Luke. No worries, Griffin. Um, I would just, uh, first off, there was a lot of... Uh, third ball opportunities in that match that uh, that went begging. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, cheers, mate. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, we, we're happy that we... Our plan, obviously, against um, a good batting attack like the Wolves with plenty of Rockets players and, um, and Comets players was to create pressure by building dots. So, look, as a team, we're happy that we, we were able to, uh, to create those third ball opportunities. Obviously, um, the next step for, for our team is to, to be in executing those, those plays. Um, obviously, the amount of... Uh, third ball players that we had to not take a single one of them uh, definitely hurts you on the scoreboard and that was um, that was evident in the result. Yeah, now that puts the Assassins at the bottom of the ladder. Um, pre- previously in the past two seasons you've been minor premiers. What are you going to do to turn it around? Yeah, thanks again, mate. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, obviously with um, with the Assassins, we're a proud group. Um, obviously this year with, our, the, with the Panthers going out, um, Banesh and Southern Cross Cricket um, have put in two sides with the Conquerors, which... Um, for the Assassins group from last year, we've we've had to split our our talent across two sides, um, and and then recruit from from the Panthers, and I think the Jaguars have um, snagged a couple of those good players in Sam Dwyer and Alex Bazana. Um, so for us, it's we've got a young group, we've got um, a good group uh, mix of experience um, as well, with obviously Vanesh Bennett and Claire Kosky guys like um, guys like that. Um, so I think for us, it's about our young guys realizing their potential um, and stepping up to to obviously open men's cricket. Um, we've got a lot of people playing their first uh, real season of NRCL. Um, guys like Isaac Deeker, who, who had a taste of it last year, but he'll get a, a good run this year. Guys like Zach Marin, um, who played his first game last night and played really, really well. Um, and guys like Ethan Fitzpatrick to come back in. Um, really tall, young leggy, who's, um, yeah, who's got a bright future. Ethan's definitely one that stands out to me as well. as one of the most talented careers we've got here, currently injured for those listening. Uh, now, Luke, yourself, you've been through a bit of injury and you got injured at Nationals last year. We talked about that at the, during the game. What's it like coming back and you're, you're ready and raring to go? Uh, yeah, mate, it's been, um, it's been a long sort of time away from the game. I missed out on... Um, yeah, trip to Sri Lanka um, and missed out on an outdoor or the whole outdoor season. Um, so I'm just excited to be playing cricket again. It's um it's been a while. It's been a lot of time in in the gym with rehab and, and physio, working hard with um, Angus Livre and Elite Sports Physio. Um, so I'm just I'm just really happy to be yep. on the court and um and able to yeah get back to doing what I love. So. Well, I can tell you it's better to have you on it than off it, mate, and we're thrilled that you're back, and uh, thank you for your time, mate. My pleasure. Thank you. So it really was a, a funny old game. Um, Luke Ryan touched on it that they wanted to create pressure um, by building dots and, or building dot balls, uh, and they definitely achieved that with over 40 dot balls in the first innings. Uh, he did sound a little bit disappointed that they didn't take any of their third ball chances, of which there was 12, uh, so only converting zero of 12 third ball opportunities. Um, that'd be something they'd be looking to tidy up, Darcy? 
I think obviously the, the assassins bowled extremely well to to at least create 12 third ball opportunities mm-hmm. in beginning. Um, they bowled over 40 dots. I mean, from their bowling point of view, they bowled extremely well. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they were probably unlucky to to not convert any of those. Um, but at the same time, I think the Wolves still batted quite smart. They they really didn't give the assassins much of a chance at all. Um, because I know they they did look like they were favouring that full and wide option for the third ball. Um, and yeah, they, they I thought they actually handled it quite well. And we're just in a bit of a holding pattern waiting for Tim Flores, the captain of the Wolves, to meet with Chris Griffin. Uh, so while we are waiting, we might just run through the Wolves' bowling performances. Uh, they actually created uh, a fair few dot balls themselves, uh, 40 dot balls, uh, and they converted zero of their 10 third ball opportunities as well. So uh, it was a wacky game with a hell of a lot of dot balls. And um, just as I say that, I'm being given the nod from podcast producer Juzzy that the interview... Is ready to go. Tim Flores is now with Chris Griffin, so we'll quickly flick back to uh, Western Indoor Sports. And I'm joined here now by uh, Tim Flores, the Wolves captain. Uh, Tim, 109 to 77. Got to be happy with that victory, mate. Yeah, look pretty happy with how he played. Um, scoreboard probably doesn't reflect the pressure on court, especially with the cameras around. Um, just applies that little bit more pressure in these kind of situations. But um, yeah, really happy with how the guys played tonight. We kind of have struggled to put together previous weeks and to come back and Put on, put on almost a clinic against one of the top sides is really good. Yeah, and we talked about through the commentary with uh, the third ball opportunities that you're able to negate. That, that was the key indicator for the game for me. Uh, to getting off those third balls, uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, just something I spoke about with the guys just before we went out was just just those little disciplines on, on those third ball chances and even taking a couple extra dots and working hard to fight to get through that third ball and just limit the wickets really, and which we did pretty well. We, I think we lost two wickets in the end. And um, it just just shows on the scoreboard. And uh, here in the ACT, the Wolves and the Assassins is is the rivalry, mate. You were just telling me that's the first win you've got over the Assassins in a round game. You've beaten them twice in grand finals. Uh, What's your thoughts on taking on that side? Yeah, look, I'm not sure how to feel about that. uh, (laughs) First first round game, we've beaten them, and we we, we seem to come up against them in every final and come come up on top every time. But, um, yeah, it's it's good to, to... play against that kind of side on camera and and kind of put on a show what, what ACT really has mm. and um, the kind of rivalry we have like on court it, it's pretty tough but off court with him the ACT we're all, all pretty close anyway. Yeah, that's it and uh, thank you for your thoughts Tim. Uh, the final score here as mentioned before Wolves 109, the Assassins 77 what an outstanding game of cricket we saw here at Western Indoor Sports thank you very much and uh, back to you in the studio Gary. Yeah thanks very much Griffo um, and it just really want to highlight your efforts uh, this evening with getting those captains interviews. Uh, it really does make a massive difference to this podcast mate so your efforts certainly don't go unnoticed you're a legend uh, so thanks very much for that and um, we had a bit of a chuckle uh, when we watched it this evening mate with uh, the banter between Chris Griffin and uh, Brocky Winkler. Griffin and Brocky were excellent as I listened to I mean uh, I was uh, I was fortunate enough to room with Brocky oh, here we go. over in Sri Lanka uh, on my very first Australian Open men's trip. PG rated podcast mate yeah so what happened anything exciting? Absolutely no he's, he's a great bloke honestly and I think he did a phenomenal job on the uh on the mic and same as Griffo I mean he was he was really good to listen to for the for both of those games <laughs> Yeah, so thanks very much to uh, to everyone involved with the broadcast this evening. We certainly enjoyed it. Well, that wraps up uh, those two games that we watched uh, earlier on from Canberra. Darcy, I do have you with me, though, so I do want to ask you a couple of questions, if you don't mind. Now, you've had a wonderful playing career and still a young man, can I just say, but you're also giving a lot back to coaching, and I don't want you to go anywhere while I've got you. 
So tell me about your coaching, mate. Why do you get involved in it? Because I was at Strathpine a couple of weeks ago and I saw you out on court with about half a dozen of the kids going through drills and practices and running them around. Um, not only did it look like you were bloody enjoying it, um, but the kids were obviously getting a lot out of it too. Why do you do it? Um, I guess, Gary, it's always been a thing of mine that I've, I've just genuinely taken an interest in the other players at the centre or in you know the wider southeast Queensland region yeah. um, that do play the game. And I guess I've always... I've always liked seeing, you know, helping some of the younger kids out or even if it's a, a grown adult, um, some of the lower grade players or masters players that need a bit of help or advice or anything like that. Like I've always I've always enjoyed seeing those people being able to succeed and enjoy the game, you know, because obviously this game has given a lot to me. So mm. for other people to be able to get that as well, um, I think that's really good to see. You started as an eight-year-old in indoor cricket. Yeah, so I started as an eight-year-old uh, playing peewee cricket down at Strathpine Inside Sports. Um, yeah, kind of actually got into the game at a, as a bit of an accident. Um, parents wouldn't let me play rugby league. No. No, mum and dad weren't too keen on that. So they uh, they went in the, uh, what was it, yellow pages, white pages back then? Oh, I don't even know, mate. I'm... Oh, I'm too young for that kind of stuff. Google wasn't around when you were playing indoor phone cricket. Book. Let's phone, that way. phone, phone book. book. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, went into the phone book, found found a uh, a phone number for Inside Sports, went down there, started playing. As I said, peewee cricket as an eight year old, and pretty much just played on a Friday night down there, and I kind of enjoyed it, so I kept at it. Um, I still remember they had there were that many kids that played. They had a, a trial for under ten super league. So I would have been about eight years old. Wow. They had a trial for under tens. Managed to jag a spot in that team. Yep. Pretty much from then on, the the rest is history. And I know that one person who's been very influential, not only in your indoor cricket career, but also your personal development, uh, Mr. Ron Olsen. Yeah, absolutely. Ronnie, um, Ronnie's had a massive part to do with my, you know, I guess you could say playing career, but even coaching career as well, if you want to say career. Um, really first came in contact with Ronnie as a as a 14-year-old um, in uh, 2009. Mm-hmm. He was my coach at, at Strathpine for the 14 and under side. Uh, played that whole Super League year, went away to a state titles. Um, the next year, he was actually my coach for the 14 and under SEQ side that went away for nationals. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from then on, I've um, Ronnie's been with me the whole way, even with regards to you know coaching philosophies and working with the kids and everything like that. I think I think Ronnie's a very very good communicator with that junior age group, and I think he works on the mental aspect of the game, um, whether that be, you know, getting the best out of the kids. It could be a bit of ego massaging, those types of things. Um, <laughs> ego massaging. Yeah, well, I guess when you're dealing with, you know, 15 to 17-year-olds, that that's something that definitely does be- become a part of the game. Um, and I think he has been phenomenal with, with, um, with working with, you know, players that age. And now you play in the Australian Open Men's side. Yep. Having Brenton Bryan as the coach. How do you find that? Yeah, I've had a lot to do with Brenton over the last couple of years. Brenton was, um, Brenton was, Brenton selected me in the under twenty side that went away to Wellington. But then from then on, Brenton was me twenty one and unders coach um, that went away to the Trans Tasman and Port Macquarie, um, and then moving on from there into Dubai, and then this year or last year, sorry, with the uh, Queensland Open Men's and Australian Open Men's. Um, yep. Yeah, Brent, Brenton's had a lot to do with me as well, um, especially more from a mental point of view and, you know, especially myself being the captain of those teams when he's been the coach and I've worked pretty closely with him as far as um, strategizing the game, working with the guys, how we're going to get the best out of the players, 
um, you know, coming up with batting orders, bowling orders and everything like that. And um, Brenton's been really good. He's he's pretty much empowered um, myself on the court to, to pretty much run the show. Um, and, you know, those types of experiences out on the court, you know, you, you take them on for the rest of your career. You know, you can look back on, you know, in moments in games, you go, okay, well, I was in a pretty similar situation, you know, a couple of years ago. What did I do then? How did I handle it? Um it's just a big circle of life, mate, oh, isn't absolutely, it? Absolutely, yeah. You know what I mean? And that's what's really pleasing, mate, um, to see you in your craft and what you're doing now. Obviously, you're still a current player and you're at the top of your game as far as I'm concerned. But, um, you know, you also really do give back and you've taken those aspects of coaching from your Ron Olsons, from your Brenton Bryans, and along the way you've picked the bits and pieces that work out well for you uh, and you've digested that and... Now you're giving out uh, that goodness to, to the younglings beneath you, mate. So I think it's a, it's a really noble thing you're doing. I think you're doing a wonderful job. And um, even just sitting with you tonight, um, watching that game uh, and the breakdown that you've done. And I can tell you, folks, uh, I know it's a, it's a listening thing. It's not a visual thing. But there's notes written all over the place. He's had to take off his shoes and his socks, the poor fella, because uh, there were so many dot balls. But... Um, Mate, really appreciate you coming in, spending the time to break down the game uh, and, and your thoughts and your analysis. It's really welcome. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, yeah, I, I, think, it's a, I think it's a fantastic initiative, you know, proudly su- uh, supported by Cricket Australia. Obviously, the way the, the sport's going at the moment, we've got the National Indoor Cricket League. We have, you know, games that are live-streamed fairly frequently. Obviously, being able to have the, uh, the podcast as well for you to, you know, digest the games and, be able to speak with different people within the the wider indoor cricket community. I think it's uh, I think it's really really positive signs for the future. Beautiful. Hey, Darcy, thanks for coming in. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Gary. Cheers. No. Cheers. Bye. Cricket, the classic Aussie game that we love to play anywhere we can. The beach, the backyard, the local park, and if you're lucky, the MCG. It can even be played indoors. Indoor cricket is a fun, social, and quick game that can be played all year round, and it's for kids and adults of all abilities. You only need teams of six or eight and everyone bats and bowls join an existing competition or start your own indoor cricket team visit playcricket.com.au to find out more and we'll move on now with a podcast with a great interview from christian white it's 16 overs with donna dolby i'm sitting here with donna dolby today uh donna's one of the first of the three inductees into the cricket australia indoor cricket hall of fame uh thanks for spending a bit of time with me donna uh, great to be here well uh like to find out about your playing career initially. Where did it all start for you? God, it seems so long ago. I'm not sure I can remember. <laughs> um, oh, you know, mid '80s, I think. Uh, you know, it was, it was the thing to do. It was, it was, it was all the rage back then. And um, mixed on a Friday night with a group of friends was sort of um, how I spent my social time. And it wasn't uh, very long after that that um, I was asked to play Super League back yeah. then, and that's. I was. I think that was in the first season I was playing, and and almost the following year, I think it was. I was, um, yeah, lucky enough to be selected in the Queensland side. So, I think that was '87. So okay. there you go. Excellent. Do you remember? Well, my first nationals was '87, so it probably was picked in '86. Well, there you yeah. go. Do you remember where that first nationals was in '87? Um, actually, I might have it wrong. It might be '88. It was '88. Okay. Dandenong in Victoria. Ah, yeah. excellent. And um, I only played three games. Um, so you know. Uh, lots of people talk about whether they enjoy sitting out or not. Um, you know, I was incredibly grateful to be part of it. Um, obviously, you want to be playing, but I also knew my place at the time as well. Yep. Excellent. So, got into that uh, state side and things developed from there for you. Um, Australian selection came along. Yeah, I mean, in all of the early years, it was honorary. And um, 
they were honorary sides, so I was selected in you know, multiple honorary sides you know, over those years. Um, but the one, the one first year that it, uh, the side toured was the year I didn't play nationals. Um, I was oh, injured, wow. so um, it was a little bit gutting at the time, I think. Um, so, uh, yeah, I went on the 97 tour. Actually, there was a tour way back in the early 90s that I um, you know, uh, wasn't good enough to be selected at the time, which is cool. Um, but yeah, my first tour was in 1997 to South Africa. Okay. And some rather memorable moments from that tour and some friendships, no doubt, that you made back uh, then that might still stick today? Yeah, and I think it's friendships that, um, uh, there's lots of friendships throughout the time. And that, that side at the time was also dominated by, um, you know, the New South Wales team, which was kind of the, um, you know, it dominated indoor cricket wins for the women for many many years so um yeah quite rightly dominated the australian side as well so um yeah um but yeah but most of my lasting friendships are with um sort of queensland players th throughout that era um and you know more um more recently through my time coaching the australian side and and players friends sprinkled throughout the country yeah so let's move into the coaching side of things where did uh, where did those aspirations start from obviously i'd suggest playing days and, and yeah um i think w with all players you do a bit of coaching as you're playing um so you know i was coaching our ipswich side for many years in our zone side and in my last year of playing for queensland i coached captain coached the queensland team and you know that was the year that i sort of gave it all away um i gave um you know Queensland and Australia away and I you know stopped playing Super League as well and I, I thought I was giving it away and about six months later the junior coach had to pull out of the Australian side and I was asked to coach um, so it was so, so I guess that's 2005 so that's kind of started it and I coached the junior side for three years to 2007 and then um, yeah then I got then it's moved lucky on to the yeah. open lady side, which was a lovely thing to yeah. have on the resume. Yeah. So what's uh, what's probably some greatest memories from coaching or greatest uh, achievement you feel from the coaching ranks? Um, I always think it's not the big things, it's the, it's the little things. I think it's when you, um, well, for me, it's seeing players achieve things that they didn't think was possible for them and, yeah, and, and hoping that you played a small part um, yep. in, in helping those 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 things happen yep. and then probably the other one is just you know I was never uh, a particularly technical component of it wasn't necessarily my strength in the game or certainly wasn't my strength in the game um, and for me it was about developing a culture and you know hopefully that's a you know pretty strong and good culture yeah well that's I'm moving into our state coaching ranks myself recently and I feel like the culture side of things and bringing a team together is a, a nice goal to set as a coach yep. I think yeah, um, watch them come together and achieve something would be would be spectacular. Yeah, mostly, culture will trump all else within a team, and you know if you can um, have a great culture and, and people want to be part of that culture um, and strive for each other, then you can achieve a heck of a lot of things that potentially individuals can't. Yeah, mm. so basically, teamwork trumps all. Yeah, to some extent, and, and, but teamwork yeah. though you can have teams that don't have a you know, don't set high bars. So you can have teamwork, you can have all sorts of teamwork, but you actually want a high performance culture to go with your teamwork. Yep, hmm. makes sense. So we'll go back a moment to the playing days. Ooh. And we'll uh, we'll ask the question of uh, a couple of memorable moments from the playing days or, or a couple of thoughts from back there um, that we really enjoyed. Um, 
Gee. Probably a number of them at different, <laughs> yeah, potentially you at know, different levels. Lots of them. That, you know, the first time you play for Queensland, the first time you play for Ipswich, you know, the first, <laughs> the first of the, the, the first of everything. Ips, the first yeah. of everything, I think, are, um, they're always um, pr are pretty special. Then, um, yeah, and the wins against the odds, I think, are the the other things that that, that, that come that, that are pretty special as well. And you know, I think I captain in Queensland and I think I was 93 that was that was pretty special as well so over your over your time in the game you would have seen the game develop from what was probably a very social game back in those mm. say late 80s or yeah. mid 90s uh, through to today where it's really starting to turn the corner in its professionalism and how we go about it in our prep work yep. at Australian level and even rehabilitation and yeah uh, say ice baths or, or Whatever it, is. whatever it is after yep. the game to, to do recovery yeah yeah so I you know that was a lot of that happened I guess well before our time as a, as a sport that um, isn't a professional sport in any way we, you know we don't get paid to play there's nothing like that happens and if I think back to the early 2000s even um, we were doing a lot of those things the ice baths the you know the nutrition we're looking at nutrition and we were you know wasn't just training it was specific training for the sport you know introducing plyometrics all those sorts of things that actually made us better players and i can remember you know numerous people sort of suggesting that we at times were well a lot of what we did was more professional than some of the professional sports in the early early days yeah yeah and i think that's just continued over time yeah oh look it's great to see it's great to see the the participants in mm. our sport uh, endorsing that and, mm. and really accepting that culture and, and being responsible for their bodies and the way they prep yeah. for these carnivals. They are hard on you. Yeah, it's, it, it, you know, as a as a player, when we started to do those things, you can actually feel the difference in yourself um, and the strength that you might have and, you know, it allows you to bowl a little bit sharper or to, to concentrate for a little bit longer or, or be a little bit quicker off the mark between wickets. And as you know, this, this is a game of inches, not... Um, All those one percenters, by the end of the game, yep. add up and, and give you that complete package yeah, when you're playing the game. Let's move forward to your um, Hall of Fame nomination and uh, induction. Yep. Uh, the night off. Oh, yes, um, that night. That night. <laughs> so, um, yeah, how did how did you feel? How what were the emotions that went um, through the body? Well, I was I was actually pretty emotional. I was I was uh, uh, I guess surprising. I was a little choked up about it. Um, you don't actually. Well, you didn't. I never played the sport for um, individual honours. I played the sport because I loved the sport, yeah. and um, yeah, to to end up, you know, inducted into the Hall of Fame, uh, doing something you loved was was very emotional. It was kind of a, a recognition of all that had gone before that. And yeah. Um, yeah, I was really lucky to have played in an era and coached in an era with really talented players. I was coached by myself, by some really great coaches. Um, you know, uh, Rob Taylor, Greg Donnelly, Brad Zeller to name, yeah, you know, a few yeah. of those. And yeah, I, yeah, like yeah. I said, I just, yeah, I feel very fortunate. And yeah, to have that was, it was quite emotional. And um, yeah, I'm very grateful. Very humble, very much a team player, oh, which is great. Yeah. Um, yes, but no, it definitely, would have to be highlighted as a personal accolade for the time that you've put into the sport, the effort that you've put into the sport, mm. um, those achievements both at club level, then moving interstate, 
yeah. um, and then through to your your Australian levels, mm. um, both in playing and then in a coaching aspect. So, um, yeah, just back with the Australian um, side. So the travel involved in the game now, probably, as you say, it was more honorary, the positions back yeah. uh, when you first started. Now there's all the travel involved. So the sport really is improving in its professionalism um, Hopefully we can continue to grow its uh, its base and supporter base and um, commercial aspects of the game. What are your thoughts on the the future of indoor cricket, if I may ask? Yeah, absolutely. So I think we started touring in 1997 and generally have toured every year with the odd exception since that time. Um, you know, more recently uh, with the nickel, uh, I think is a, is a great um, step forward for our game. Uh, I wish, and I've said this to numerous people, I wish I was a young person or a young female in, um, starting out in sport today. Uh, I think the opportunities that will be afforded to uh, to us in the future um, will far surpass where they are today. Yeah, no, I would 100% agree with that. Mm. Um, happening across the board in our wonderful uh, landscape of cricket, so mm. hopefully it keeps filtering through to the indoor space as well. And I and I think it will. And you know, I'm seeing um, a lot of the marketing around it's the off season, and you know, let's do it indoors. Which to coin an old phrase, but I haven't seen the let's do it indoors now. And that might not be politically correct anymore either. I'm not sure. Um, We'd certainly like our <laughs> listeners to jump onto playcricket.com.au uh, and find our local centre. We definitely, yeah, definitely endorse that. Yes. I agree. Um, but yeah, I think those are great step forwards. Yeah, and the, the the NICL that has been created in the last few years, it's it's nice to see the that best club in Australia type of uh, approach coming or concept coming through. Um, players are endorsing it getting to travel a little bit um so might be the second or third third string type player that hasn't quite been able to make a stateside getting to understand a little bit of the culture of what a, a mini national carnival is like so I, I think that's been great for the game too yeah, I, I, certainly when i started the the club championships were massive though they were, they were, you know there was a real pride in playing for your club and uh i played for ipswich you know for for, for um all of my um playing career and yeah there was a huge pride in that you know representing indoor in those club championships um and that was that was for all players that's kind of where it all started and for, for you to be able to get to a national championship at that level and and experience that i, I think is um yeah pretty unreal for everybody and that, that i think is the beauty of indoor cricket you know you it, it it's the ultimate team game because everyone has has to, has to bat and bowl so you know there's no hiding from it. Every player matters. Every single person matters. So that probably leads me towards one of my final questions for you today, which would be from your time back playing in the game again, um, favourite attribute for you within the game, that that batting, that bowling oh. or that fielding side of things? I, I loved fielding. Yep. I, I, I would field all day if I could. Um, and, you know, I would probably... You know, if I had a strength, it was it was probably fielding, and I was quite fearless about it. I didn't really care whether I got hit or um, anything like that. So, yeah. what was your probably your preferred fielding position? Um, point. Yeah. yeah. Oh, in there for the tight in hard there. catches, hey? In there for the yeah, for the yeah. fun of it and yeah. the quick runouts yeah. uh, from those yeah. those mistimed chop shots, or that's, even the perfectly the timed chop shot straight into you potentially. Exactly. Oh, that's great to hear, and. Uh, 
Batting, partnerships. Yeah. You're really in the game. you really got to uh, understand your batting yep. partner, keep that communication mm. open, probably good eye contact. Yep. Um, all those sort of things. I think all my players will be having a giggle at that. <laughs> <laughs> communication, eye contact. I always say you don't have to speak if you've got eye contact. You just know. Yeah. I'm glad to hear because, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm heading down the same path myself, I think, with that particular uh, thought on the game. Um, well, look, it's been a pleasure catching up with you today, Donna. Um, again, congratulations on your time within the game, your time at Australian level and World Cup representations, uh, both as a player and as a coach. Um, and then in particular, obviously being inducted into the Hall of Fame. Um, congratulations again on that. Um, it's great to have spent some time catching up with you and um, yeah, we hope to see you around in the sport a little bit longer. Awesome. Thanks, Christian, very much. Take care. Okay, bye. The Yellow Ball Podcast, proudly supported by Cricket Australia. Well, sports fans, that brings an end to this episode of the Yellow Ball Podcast. A big thank you to Christian White, Donna Dolby, Ryan Douse, and, of course, the team at ACT, uh, Chris Griffin, for bringing us those wonderful captain's interviews. And, of course, our new friends, Play Straight Cricket. Of course, the best indoor cricketers, Play Straight Thanks very much for joining us. Have a great week. We look forward to seeing you next time. Bye for now. You've been listening to the Yellow Ball Podcast, proudly supported by Cricket Australia. Get in touch with us anytime, yellowballpodcast at gmail.com.